And I want us to look tonight at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love hath been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and He who abides in love abides in God, and God in Him. As far as John is concerned, the two most powerful tools for the extension, the advancement of the gospel, are, number one, the Word of God, and number two, the love of Christians that they have one for another. C.S. Lewis made this statement. It's, It's a little more lengthy, but I believe it's important for us to to grasp the the importance of this aspect of, of loving. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements with other people. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. The only safe place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and irritations of love is a place called hell. You think about it. What keeps us from loving? It makes us vulnerable. But if you get in the point in your life where you seek to avoid that, as C.S. Lewis said, um, don't give yourself to love anyone or anything, not even an animal, because the animal will die and your heart will be broken and crushed or whatever. But this aspect that John is talking about, uh, that he keeps bringing us back to, this aspect of love, It involves sacrifice, and um, it is a, a love without an exit strategy. When you love with the biblical love that we mentioned this morning, a, a self-sacrificing commitment to do what is best for the one love, 
When you love with this love, you bind yourself to the object of your love, no matter what their response is. Our response to the other person is entirely independent of how they treated us. Love is not God, but God is love. And loving others, from this passage and others that we'll see, loving others is one of the greatest witnessing tools that God has designed. We, we take classes and, and talk about soul winning and evangelism and outreach and spreading the gospel. But throughout Scripture, you will notice that one of the greatest tools that God designed is the ministry of loving others. They will know you are followers of Christ by your love. And there's several reasons for this. Number one, it shows that I am a child of God. It shows that I am a child of God. There are many in Bible-believing churches that claim to be born again, but they do not make an effort to love others, and they do not even attempt to. They are unkind, impatient, self-centered in their daily lives, judgmental, very judgmental of others. They spread gossip with great delight. And they are defensive if you try to point out any of these sins. Of such people, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Oh, my heart grieves and bleeds for them. They are pronouncing and proclaiming that they are born of God. Rather, they are outside the life of God. There is no hope for such people unless they repent and turn to Him. And John's first point in this whole passage of verse 7 through verse 16 is that because God is love, if we are truly His children, then we must love one another. And he'll be coming back to that theme, and so we're not going to belabor that point. But loving others when we are not loved back is one of the, the three signs throughout the, the book of 1 John that he says give evidence that we are a child of God. We live by God's standards, we love others, and we recognize that Jesus was God, made man, and is the only Savior. Those are the three things that are, are hallmarks of a child of God. But loving others is our greatest witness because it reveals God to the world. No man has seen, John saying, no man has seen God at any time. 
But he says, but if we love one another, God abides in us and they will see the working of God in our lives. As long as we are nice to only our friends or those who are nice to us, no one has any idea that God is around. He said in Matthew chapter 5, even the heathen do that. They're nice to those that are nice to them. But when we start being nice to those who are nasty to us, when we start returning good for evil, when we start being patient and understanding and thoughtful and considerate of those who are stubborn and obstinate and selfish and say difficult things to us, then people get the sense that God is somewhere around, that God is close at hand, that God is in the situation. Why? Because this is not normal. It's not normal to overcome evil with good. It's not normal to be kind to someone who's not kind to you. And then it brings God into the picture. Let's presume that you are a very critical person. That you are a Christian working in a place with many non-Christians. And let's just assume that you run down your colleagues and undermine the policies of the company, constantly complaining about what's going on, and consistently demonstrate that attitude. Do you honestly think anyone will respond to the message of the gospel that you might ever give them? We won't, in that situation, we will not have an impact for Christ because... Everyone will see us for what we really are. We're no different than anyone else. But if you start walking in the Spirit and stop nitpicking and criticizing and complaining, people will start wondering, what happened to you? And really, we then are bringing God to this situation. You know, the real issue in our nation isn't, isn't getting laws changed and Ten Commandments posted in every courthouse or whatever. The real need in our nation is to get we as Christians loving as Christ loved. And it reveals God to the world. And John is, keeps driving at this point. He wants us to understand that love for each other must begin at the household of faith. If we cannot or will not love those of our own family, we're never going to be able to real, reveal God's love to the world. So, if we are desirous of revealing God's love to the world, it's not so much 
getting a billboard and plastering it up, although that may be okay. It's not so much handing out DVDs and tracts, although God can use them, but to do all of those things in addition to genuinely loving one another. So that means we may have to give up petty squabbles and feelings of competition. It means we should speak of one another in honoring ways rather than relishing in hearing struggles and inconsistencies that we discover in others. It, it means we should rally to the side of those who hurt even if they have hurt us in the past. It means we should extend forgiveness for offenses we sometimes experience at the hands of others. It means being patient with each other as we mature in the faith at different rates and different ways. It means we should be quick to welcome people and minister to them. It means we should disagree with people in a pleasant, disagreeable manner. And and in a manner that preserves the relationship. We should be willing to give of ourselves to help someone else and be willing to pray for others. And But it means coming out of ourselves, coming out of our comfort zone, coming out of living our own life. And really, if if John is saying, if in any location believers really started loving each other and loving the lost, he said, then they would then they would reveal God. But when we may present the gospel flawlessly. But if our life reveals no love, the two are incongruous. They, they don't match. It, it doesn't fit. And he said the gospel is a wonderful thing that God would love us. And as we saw this morning, he said, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's interesting. Um, in the Old Testament, a Hebrew word that is used for love, it, it is the meaning of having a determination to do someone good no matter what. To be faithful to a covenant regardless of its impact upon you. And the book of Ruth is a good example of, of this love. It means to extend yourself when every fiber of your body says, run away from this. Love does not demand recognition or equality. The greatest acts of love are almost or often done in secret. But this genuine love 
of responding with good to evil is something that you and I cannot do apart from God. It's not going to be some motivational speech that gets us pumped up to go love. It, it has to be God within us. Now, we know there's the command, the two great commands. I am commanded to love, but I cannot do it apart from God. <clears throat> My life energy has to come from God. My love energy has to come from God. Not from the person I'm loving. The more difficult the situation, the more you and I are forced into utter dependence upon God. God, I cannot love them except by your power. See, so much of our love comes from the person we're loving. I love you so much. You're so kind to me. You're, you're such a help to me. Well, what happens if they're not kind to you and not a help to you? I, in a marriage, we're in a covenant of love that I am committed to love you, period, until death parts us. This is, this is the, the love that God's talking about. That's impossible. You're right, it's impossible. Except through God. The beginning of faith is knowing that I can't love this way. If this is the standard of love, I can't do it. And, and I know that I don't have the power in and of myself. And that brings us to an utter dependence Upon God. Those who walk in the spirit of love from a powerful way manifest a supernatural love. They will love the unlovely in the family of God. If everyone were easy to love, we wouldn't need this powerful example of God's love or this strong exhortation in 1 John that we hear over and over again. The world loves those that love them, but God says, I've called you to a whole different standard. I've called you to love those that don't love you. Implicit in what John is saying here is that we must love those who may not be especially easy to love. If you have someone in your life that is self-centered and difficult to live with, John says, Beloved, if God so loved you, you also ought to love that difficult one. Years ago, the Daily Bread shared the amazing story out of the Korean War. A young communist officer ordered the execution of a Christian civilian. When he learned that his prisoner was in charge of an orphanage and really doing much good, 
in caring for small children, he decided to spare his life, but to kill his son instead. The 19-year-old boy was shot in the presence of his father. Later, when the tide of events changed, this same officer was captured, tried, and condemned to death for war crimes. But before the sentence could be carried out, the Christian father made a plea for the life of this communist who had killed his son. He admitted that if justice were followed, this man would be executed But since he was so young and blindly idealistic, he probably thought that his actions were right. And this father who saw his son executed said, Give him to me and I will teach him about the Savior. They granted the request. The father took the murderer of his son into his own home. As a result of his self-sacrificing love, the communist became a Christian and later became a pastor proclaiming the truth of God. That's not a love that you can get naturally. But that's a love that revealed God. That's a love that in a small way was an image of the love of God for us. We were condemned. We had killed His Son. We were condemned to die. But God spared us. And one of the great, great needs that we have in Christianity today, one of the great, great needs that we have right here, to reveal the, the power of God is that we would really learn to love one another. You know, we're, we're civilized enough to know that, okay, they offended me and they're in the same church, so I'm civilized enough to know that I'm not going to make a big issue out of it, but I'm just not going to have anything to do with them. So we don't. And if we have to, hi, how are you? Fine, good, okay. How is God revealed in that? There, there are offenses. Anytime you have two people, there will be offenses. How do we respond to that? I mean, think of it. If, if there was ever a place where people should really be merciful and kind and loving, it should be a church of Bible believers where the love of God is abiding in us and and we say, if God so loved me, well, this is no big deal to me to overlook this offense and love you. This is no big problem because God's loved me in a manner so much greater. This is no big deal. And and some of you may be thinking, um, why is there some problem going on that I'm not aware of? Yeah, there's way more problems than you're even aware of. 
And I'm not thinking of anything in particular too much. <laughs> you like that? Thankfully, there, there isn't a major split or something. But are we showing the love of God? You know, if I just started parading people past here and I said, how much have you invested in their life? How much have you prayed for them? Well, not them, man. They treated me bad in the care group last time and they took home the chips that I brought. You laugh. I'm... No one said that to me, but it's stupid stuff like that. Where is the love of God? They will know we are Christians by how we really care for one another. And, and in Christian circles today, we've learned to, to um, gently bump into each other and go on our way and, and not really intersect with each other. That's not how God designed a church to be. And the reality of producing this love, you know what? The, the bottom line tonight ought to be, good night, this is impossible, I can't do this. And to make us fall on our face before God and say, God, I cannot love like you love, and I need your love flowing through me. And some of you probably have people in your mind right now that you're thinking, there is no way I can love them. It may be somebody right here tonight. It, it might be someone at work. It might be someone in your home or your family or whatever. And it ought to make us fall on our face and say, God, I want to see your work spread. And I'm one of the biggest hindrances in it by not learning to love. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But part of that preaching is preaching from a life of genuine commitment to one another as fellow believers and and a, a genuine love that is established in a home and a relationship that I am committed to you no matter what. And nothing can stop me from loving you. And And really, it's coming down to realize God... This is impossible. This situation you brought into my life. And I cannot do it apart from you. See, the point is not when difficult people come into our lives to see how we can avoid them. It's to see this as an opportunity to show God's love. How can I arrange my life so they don't intersect it very often? That's not the point. The point is, God, how can I show your love? I, I need wisdom. I need strength. I need power. And the point ought to be that it causes us to realize how overwhelmingly impossible this is. God, I can't do it. 
and to cause us to fall on our face before Him in utter dependence and say, God, I need Your power. I need Your presence. I mean, think about it. In the, in the home, do we manifest patience and a gracious spirit? How do we respond? And really, it's, it's not an easy way to be a witness. It's not a, hey, let's go witness for the next hour. But it's the witness that God ordained that we manifest a supernatural love that makes people say, I don't know where they got that. That is something that I want. And that's the reality of what John is driving at. And so he says, no man has seen God, but when they start seeing you love one another, they will know that God is in us, and they will know the work of God. And God will perfect that work in us. I, I just know that there is a desperate need for us to grow in the love of God. Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray tonight that you would find us broken before you to learn to love as you love. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed just where you're seated tonight, I just want you to go before God. Maybe there's a specific situation in your life. Maybe it's just general. Maybe it's saying, God, I'm so wrapped up in my life that I have purpose to not allow my life to involve others. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I'm the one that complains and murmurs at work and at home and, and criticizes and judges and, and delights in pointing out inconsistencies of others and, and to just go before God and say, God, I desperately need your love. Lord, may I be an instrument of your love. I just encourage you to go before the Lord right now. Do you understand it's not the world that's destroying the name of God? It's we as Christians. God doesn't expect the world to glorify Him. But He expects us to show a difference. Let me ask you, who... Do you really manifest biblical love toward? Lord, may your spirit lead us to manifest your love to every person that you bring into our lives. 
There's no coincidences, Lord. And I pray that the light of Your love in our hearts would be manifested. I pray that we would have the strength of faith to be able to respond in those most difficult times by the grace and love of You. And Lord, may we be faithful until You come again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.